welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Chip Patterson here, Barton Simmons there. We are recapping week eight, uh, a wild week in college football. We are sitting here on Monday, October 23rd. We are eight days uh, from the release of the first college football playoff selection committee rankings. Uh, We had huge, colossal top 25 wins. Congratulations uh, to Notre Dame and to Penn State both in the high-profile games of the evening, uh, showing out. A really incredible performance uh, by both the Irish and the Nittany Lions. We'll get into that and much more. Today's theme, Barton, is where... Today's theme is who's peaked and where is rock bottom. It feels like a good time here as we're wrapping up October and going into November to kind of judge the trajectory, how things are going to go and play out over the next five weeks. Yeah, there were some – I feel like a lot of the real critical games over the course of the weekend were either huge highs or big-time lows for for winners and losers. And um, the way teams bounce back from this, respond, um, is going to tell us a lot and, and shape, I think, the playoff picture, shape the, the coaching carousel. I, I think this weekend was – you know, maybe didn't you know? Kind of um, the didn't, didn't shake up the the order of things necessarily. Oh but no, I think the, changed the way maybe we see some teams in a, in a big way. One hundred percent. Very little change in the uh, like the polls and the top twenty five rankings and the the CBS Sports one thirty. Not a whole lot of shake up uh, in all any of those rankings. Um, but there was a shake up in the CBS Sports one thirty. Very very small. Um, and so I want to go ahead and, and start here. Do you think Barton that after a 42 to 13 win against Michigan, and we're going to come to Michigan in a second, do you think that this is the peak for Penn state? I went into this game expecting Penn state to win. I also expected it to be close. I went into this game expecting Penn state to then go to Columbus next week and lose in a close game. I'm I'm trying not to to have the recency bias and overreact to what I just saw, uh, but that was that was really impressive, right? And I and, and the and the stadium it, it was an atmosphere that you are not going to top anywhere in college football. Um, but man, I I'm I really like Joe Moorhead. I really like Brent Pry. James Franklin has as is as good of a CEO as there is out there. I'm starting to think, Chip, that they go into to Columbus and win next. Wow. Week. Well, you all right? This again. We got. We're recording this Monday morning. I know Barton. You will take some time in your meditation chamber. Yes. This is not. This is not <laughs> a, a, a formal official pick, but uh, I am. It's hard for me to say this is as good as it's going to get for Penn State because they. They just seem like they've got a lot of the ingredients to keep this thing rolling. When, when I, as the game, as I was watching the game, you know, there, the the question was going to be, could they score on Michigan? Because I, I think it was pretty safe to say Michigan wasn't going to put up a lot of points on Penn State. That's not been Michigan all year, but could they score on Michigan? And the reason I think they can and did is is they've got the things that you need to score against a big time defense. They got. You can throw jump balls to take advantage of like 50-50 situations. And they have these big receivers on the outside. Mike Kosicki at at tight end. Trace McSorley throws a nice ball out there. They've got a quarterback that can extend and escape. And they've got a a difference maker that can just out-athlete everyone on the field and get a big play. And all those things happen. And those are things that will translate, I think, to to Ohio State. So – I'm not ready to pick that win, but this is it's hard for me to say this is going to be as good as it gets for Penn State this year. I, I think they've got some really good moments coming ahead, and I mean that really boils down to next weekend. Where, where, where are you at with it? I, I'm 
I think that this is as good as it's going to get. I got to stick to. I got to stick to this because you're right. There's some recency bias here. The, I think that's the smart play. I think that's the that's like the the brains play. Like we've we spent a lot of time down, like just to, across our many uh, the 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 loyal listeners of the show might think we hate Penn State because I feel like we've been poking holes in Penn State yeah. uh, for like four weeks now, and so. In that sense, then it, it is the don't be uh, don't get wide eyed by that don't get wide eyed by that win that was incredible. Like, uh, can we talk about uh, the the flip flop the the zone read where Saquon Barkley's the quarterback and Trace McSorley yeah. is the running back? Yeah, like, that's nifty. Like the, you go, you've got uh, you got Saquon Barkley getting moved all around in the offense. He ends up finishing with a touchdown catch and a couple of big receptions, uh, three total touchdowns. Like that, as as I felt like people kept throwing Barkley Heisman talk at me, you know, just in different radio hits, different uh, video hits from throughout the last couple of days going into this game, and and I think that that's my new argument for Barkley is that Bryce Love is getting like ridiculous amounts of yards 1300 yards so far this season uh, on the ground but but Barkley's getting it done receiving rushing and kick returners and Heisman voters love versatility like that like yeah he I don't think he's tied to Penn State I don't think he's a best player best team scenario but the the way that he was getting moved around against Michigan the different wrinkles that Joe Moorhead put into that offense for that big game I uh that it felt like that was that was the best performance that we're going to see from Penn State this year. Everything about it was huge. It was, yeah. Well, in that sense, yes. Like I, I, that probably is the best all-around performance we see from Penn State. But I guess if they they can look, still beat they, Ohio State, they, like they, that could be a peak performance, and they yeah. could still win against Ohio State. Because might we, not look quite as pretty, right? But yeah, yeah. I think that is as good a win as we are going to see. Uh, on Penn State's in Penn State's regular season you know they we obviously have seen from the Rose Bowl last year and from the Big Ten championship game they're capable of going into these huge colossal postseason contests and playing an instant classic but in terms of regular season with the next two games being at Ohio State at Michigan State uh, I think that 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 was peak that was peak Penn State can I just I got a chance to visit Penn State in spring this this uh this past spring, and I uh, had a chance to sit down with Brent Pry, sit down with Moorhead, sit down with Franklin. And one of the things that really struck me about Joe Moorhead was he's like, you can see it on the sideline. They, should, they give a lot of sideline shots of him, and he's he's very calm, almost easygoing. Um, and, and there's like a really sort of sly confidence. In Joe Moorhead, and and one of the things I really like when I talked to him, I was like, "Look, how do you handle these expectations? You know, and now all of a sudden people are expecting Penn State to be really good on offense, and and you got everyone coming back, Saquon Barkley, all this stuff." And and James Franklin's answer to that is like, "Oh, we're all about ourselves, you know, focus on you know one day at a time, the you know that kind of coach speak." And Moorhead's just sort of like, "Hey, we, I'm I'm glad there's expectations. We want expectations. This is Penn State. Like, I, I want a target on our back." Um, and it's just that kind of confidence is, I think, so pervasive, and I think it's so contagious. And I think they're, they're, this sort of complete performance, I think, isn't the type of um, performance that then like they can't compound. I think this is the type of performance that they can channel and 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 continue to believe in and 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 continue to improve from and so i'm i'm leaning towards that they got more that that the, the best is yet to come uh i just am such a believer in the coaching staff and i think they're gonna have these guys ready i mean urban meyer staff's no slouch but that's gonna be a heck of a game next week all right well let's flip it on the other side rock bottom discussion the Michigan Wolverines. Hard to say rock bottom about a team that only has uh, two losses, but I guess if you're a Michigan fan, like we said, you hope this is rock bottom. Where do you think things go from here for the Wolverines? I, you know, after watching, I guess this is probably not rock bottom for me. I think they're five and two. I think that they this is going to be a eight and four regular season uh i think they lose to wisconsin and ohio state do you do you disagree with that i don't disagree with that 
I just I'm I'm already I feel like I'm uh reflexively like my my reflection uh action to the the fallout for Michigan within the Michigan fan base and sort of um the Michigan camp I feel like I have to cape up for Jim Harbaugh. Why do I have to cape up for Jim Harbaugh? Like why are we uh why are we putting the whole Michigan program um why, why are we all putting them to trial right now uh, after this loss? Yeah, all this Jim Harbaugh's Brady Hoke stuff is nonsense. Yeah, okay, that's, and I'm so that's where I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I'm not. You're right. I don't think that Michigan's going to beat Ohio State, and if they lose at Wisconsin, especially with that game being in Madison, it shouldn't be that surprising. And an eight and four record might like on the in the standings definitely look tough to swallow, particularly when you start to bring out the yeah, but how they play against the best teams, and I just. I can't help but go back to the idea that looking at this football team, the way it's made up, and expecting a Big Ten championship is unrealistic. It is an incomplete football team. This is a team. If they're in the you know SEC East, then they've they've they got a chance to win that division. If they're oh, in the, yeah yeah yeah, this is very Florida. It's got a real <laughs> Florida look to it. If they're in the Big Twelve, even I think they've got a chance to win that that conference uh, just by being in every game. I know the Michigan State loss sort of belies this theory, but like, you know, look, Penn State, Ohio State, and probably like I'm, I watched some of that Wisconsin game this weekend and I really, I think they're, I think they're really good. You know, those are three teams that are three. I mean, they're three top five teams in college football. And so Penn, Michigan this version of Michigan is just can't be expected to beat those teams this year. Now we we did kind of expect them to play with them, and now we know who this Michigan team is, and they just that's not who they are. That's the, that's just not this isn't the year for that. Ne- next year might be the year for that, but this is not the year for that. And uh, and so in that sense, I think Michigan still got some good football left to play, but I I do think they finished the season on a two game losing streak. Mm. Yeah. And which, of course, you know, in terms of a Michigan fan, that would feel like rock bottom. That would be the rock bottom. Yeah. And then, golly, that's going to be obnoxious. Listen to Michigan fans talk about how horrible their coaching staff is. When, when it is. <laughs> when, it, when it is literally the best coaching staff in college football. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're going to complain and talk about how terrible they are. Just save it. Don Michigan. Brown and Pep Hamilton are titans in the industry (laughs) the hell are you talking about um yeah i'm 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 not looking forward to that but absolutely could see that all right do you uh do you have i'll I'll let you take where do you want to take this i know we've got a couple teams we discussed for both peaks and rock bottoms um Um, let's go to another to another rock bottom let's go to the to the car act car x um how about rock bottom for tennessee are we at rock bottom yet? We've been, it's been a it's been a deep dive. It's been a <laughs> I mean let's see how far this this uh this oxygen tank will take us. Uh, have we hit the depths? No way. Uh what's it what's the Jules Verne book? 10,000 leagues, 20,000 <laughs> leagues under the sea. Yeah, we're we're going to we're going to reach Jules Verne a little bit later because I'm going to stick to my guns here. I think that Butch Jones, I feel like it's already been decided that A, they will be moving on from Butch Jones, and I think it's already been decided that B, he will coach the rest of the regular season. And for that reason, I'm going to say that rock bottom will probably be a home loss to Southern Miss. Maybe home loss to Vandy at the end of the season too. Maybe home loss to Vandy. That would be rock bottom. Yeah. That would absolutely be rock bottom. (laughs) And they could lose to Southern Miss. Like Southern, Southern Miss, Miss is a good. good team. Yeah, that's a good that's football scary. team. <laughs> and now LSU looks good again. Like so much for that pipe dream that they're going to beat LSU. Uh, they're 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 underdogs this week to Kentucky, at Kentucky, at Kroger, at night. That game uh, is going to be what fifteen to nine, just like the South Carolina game. Oh, that's going to be a disgusting. That's disgusting not game. don't the rock bottom is sitting through all of Tennessee, Kentucky. Oh, that's going to be so gross. Uh, yeah, like there's going to be – I mean, that's going to be one of those games where, where just it's played just between the 40s. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't get just no one can get beyond their own 40 yard line. Um, and, and it's just going to be, ugh. um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think this Tennessee team is, 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 what did they say? They got five games left. I said before, if they could win out, Butch keeps his job and they'd be eight and four. Um, I don't think they can win out though. I think they go. What, what's your projection for their, their closing record? So they are three and four right now. Um, I'm not putting it past them to be able to go on the road and get a win at Kentucky, but it, over the next five games, I think there are definitely three and probably four losses. And so we're either talking about five and seven or four and eight. Wow, four losses. It's. <laughs> I think they beat Vanderbilt. I think they. I think they they find a way to beat Southern Miss. Uh, I kind of think Missouri's scary because Missouri can put up yes. points. Yes, dude, you know, es- if- especially for the last road trip of the season. Yeah, no, so I, I, all advantage to Missouri in that game. So I'm gonna put them at. Uh, I, I'm gonna put them at six and six. Dude, there's no way they even want six and six. No, no <laughs> six <laughs> that's lame. Ducking into the what? What would you be go? What's the uh, what's one of the low SEC games? Do you go that's, to Shreveport for that? That's like a turn down bowl invite type. type <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> that's no. like a thanks, man. We'll, we'll, we'll stick around. We'll stay at home. What's our APR score? I really want, don't want to get in at five and seven. Let's, let's make sure that we don't get one of these APR five and seven bits. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So I, I think rock bottom is still coming. I don't. Yeah. The, the same schedule that we looked at and said, hey, you know, for all the negativity, and I think that was going into South Carolina. Like, we were coming out of Georgia in the bye week, and we were like, here we go. You know what? They could get, they could beat South Carolina, Kentucky, Southern Miss, Missouri. LSU's not looking good. Like, all of a sudden, they could spin this around. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it. If they had put up – if they had scored an off, if they had scored 10 offensive points, like an offensive touchdown – and a field goal off a 60-yard drive or something, I would have some faith that this team could, you know, has, has some resiliency to it. Um, but they didn't. Their only, their only score was basically, like, kept it from being like – if not for the pick six, it would have been 42 to nothing, or 52 to nothing as opposed to 45 to seven. So um, this team is still – I mean, it's, it's inept on offense. It's just totally inept. And so – I don't. I can't have any faith that they can run the table. I kind of uh, like uh, Jarrett Guarantano's performance in general. I thought that. I thought that he just doesn't have a chance. He's yeah, got no he, shot. Yeah. You know? He gives. And why can't? And, and and I don't understand why they still can't figure out a way to to allow John Kelly to be great. And and they got. I mean, they have Ty Chandler's a good back too. Like I, they just they there's something. There's something off about this offense, and I, I, it doesn't help that they have no receivers that are making any plays. Um, and I think Guarantano is okay, but not not a savior. Uh, but man, it's just it's just something missing. All right, let's uh, let's let me let's keep it in the SEC, but let's flip it to uh, Peaks. After three straight SEC wins, do you believe that this is the peak for LSU? No, I, I. The reason I think this isn't the peak is because we saw Darius, like Darius guys showed up again. Oh, he's the, as healthy as he's been all season. It looks like, like the old Darius guys showed up. It was just, it just the way he was running the football was just, it was just a different, different juice to him, different pace, different guy, and so that's huge. And I think this is all from. All along, like I never, when they were struggling against Mississippi State, when they lost to Troy, when uh, you know they eked it out against Florida, like I truly, I, I did never doubt Matt Canada's offense. I've been really bullish on him throughout, and now it's as we've, they're, you know, they've, they've they had a great second half against Auburn, forty points against Ole Miss, which is not anything too impressive given Ole Miss's defense, but they're they're getting this offense figured out and 
I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, and, and may, it may not even be close. But I think they're going to take care of business the rest of the way, beat Arkansas, beat Tennessee, beat Texas A&M, and I think they're going to look much more like the old LSU doing it because the young guys on defense have gotten their, their feet wet. They've, they're settled in. Their offense is figuring it out. They're starting to click, and I think they finish – Nine and three. Nine and three with a six and two SEC record. Second place in the division behind Alabama is a strong, is a strong first season of full time at Odron. Now the question is, second in the division. What does Mississippi State finish? Because if Missis, I guess Mississippi State would have to beat Alabama to be ahead of. LSU in the division, so that's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, looks like they will be. If they go nine and three, they would be in second of the division, and and that's that's kind of that's that's a little backish if you're if you're having that kind of a, a close to the season. Yeah, and and that probably means that you're a top fifteen team, right? Yeah, Miles. Yeah. The Miles Brennan era begins. Like we finally move on from uh, Danny Etling by not by choice, but by circumstance. And yeah. uh, and and we move forward. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I th- I think that this is a this is a fun. This is it is fun, and I, maybe it is uh maybe it is something tied to my age. Um, you know, I I don't have fifty years of watching the SEC under my belt, so that I can like have all the the ups and downs and the sways. But you know. For a lot of my existence of being, you know, super plugged into college football and working college football, I like it when LSU's good, you know. So I, I'm, I'm cool with this as a fan. Yes, I do not. I, I am. I want no part of LSU being bad. It's not fun. I, no, it is not fun. I want LSU to be really good, and I want, I want Alabama LSU to mean something, and I want this. I want the Death Valley to be electric and uh i think we got a chance to get that back uh can i throw do you do you want to have you want to take us anywhere yes All let's right. see where do i want to go now how about are we at rock bottom at no how about this one uh are we at peak Lane Kiffin at FAU. Oh, yeah, you you threw that down. I never in my wildest dreams imagined that we'd be we'd be getting into uh, some peak some peak FAU. But they are beating the pants off of teams right now. You know they've scored more in their last two weeks than Florida State has all season. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I believe that Florida Atlantic has more points. In its sixty-nine to thirty-one win over North Texas, and its fifty-eight to twenty-eight win over Old Dominion, than Florida State has in the entire season. This, yeah, this is incredible. I mean, eight hundred and four yards of offense—is that what? I, I, is that the number I saw? Uh, there. I mean, it, look, you can. I mean, Lane Kiffin is sort of a clown, and and I think he sort of knows it and he owns it, and in that sense, you can sort of excuse it a little bit because the guy kind of knows who he is but he can coach the ball <laughs> i mean that guy can coach some ball and he's got is a renegade staff but as a renegade got staff that can coach some ball um and so <laughs> this this is gonna be chip like what's gonna like, is, is he gonna be back in the in the power five discussion here again soon well here's the way this plays out we we are i don't think that we're at peak lane kiffin because um, he is going to end up continuing to do this all the way to like, uh, maybe like playing in the conference USA championship game on championship Saturday. Let's just say he wins out. Dude, they get Marshall. Is- they get Marshall at home. That's going to be the game that decides that like that division they get. All right. They're Western Kentucky on the road this week. Marshall at home on a Friday night. So it's the November 3rd. And so if they're able to get wins in the next two weeks, riding this white-hot offensive streak. I mean, dude, they scored on their first 11 possessions. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so they get the wins in the next two weeks. They might lock up a spot in the Conference USA Championship game. 
Their only loss was a respectable loss to Wisconsin and a bad loss to Navy in his first game. They lost to Buffalo, which isn't a bad team either. But all non-conference, if they get on a one, two, three, what, eight-game win streak, I mean, the, the, the fever pitch for Lane Kiffin – you might even be able to convince some Tennessee fans to let him back in. No way. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is this peak Lane Kiffin? No, because this thing can get even wilder real quick. Oh man, the, he, this is so this is so entertaining. The guys the guy is great for entertainment purposes, and uh, I, this is another one I am ready to embrace. What's the uh, and it's uh, so wild too. All right, so the the Renegade staff. What's the offensive staff? We got Kendall Browse as OC, right? Kendall Browse is the OC. Yeah, I'm so, I think Art Browse is down there somewhere, just um, you know, maybe not coaching him up, but he's he's on the phone with Kendall on a regular basis. They got Chris Kiffin, the DC, who is probably got a show clause waiting for him as soon as this Ole Miss, um, uh, you know, investigation finishes up. Um, uh, you know they're, they're, they've got oh, they've got a off field guy that's that's had a show clause before. Um, the, it's just a the whole group is there, there's some <laughs> it's an Im, they're they're imperfect human beings, but they're all good coaches. Would you do you think that he would um, make a jump right after this season? I mean. Definitely. I, I certainly wouldn't put it past him. It's, yeah. it's the right job. Like he's not going to have loyalty to FAU. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, to me, it, it would take a very unique situation to offer for him to off get offered that job this quickly. I think UCLA. Like I don't know. Like I, I don't see that. That would be that would be a pretty ballsy of UCLA. That would be that so move. ballsy of UCLA. <laughs> Maybe if they take their swing at Chip Kelly and a couple others, and then they fall back to Lane, then um, then there it is. But um, man, that's this is this is good. For, this is this is good TV, though, man. This is good TV watching this play out. <laughs> um, all right, I got one for you. Let's 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 get it. Uh, let's let's go peak. Do you think that after just running the ball right at and through? a hobbled USC defensive front that we are at peak Notre Dame right now. I, I worry that we are that this is going to, this is going to like schedule across the next five games ends up, uh, breaking them down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they've, you know, I, I think, look, the, the Boston college win is, is looking better than, than we anticipated. Offensive, so that jug- helps. offensive juggernaut, Boston College. Yeah, right. Yeah. How about that? Uh, Michigan State looking better than we anticipated. So, and then they're at Georgia. So it's not like they played a bunch of cupcakes in in, in their early season schedule, <clears throat> but it gets pretty brutal here. And I think that that game can, as impressive as it was, look, we we talked about it a lot. Like USC was very hobbled heading into this game. Um, we we learned that Sam Darnold was even hobbled. Um, with a bad ankle, and they pulled him in the second half uh, due to that ankle, just to not no, no reason to risk it anymore because they were getting blown out. Um, so I, I I worry that that forty nine fourteen win is not is not going to hold up in terms of the way they are as a dominating team. I still think that they're capable of winning out, but look, NC State's going to be a war. Miami is going to be a war. Stanford, those two are on the road. That's going to be an absolute battle. And then you got Wake and Navy in between all those that are both teams that can beat you. This is, I just, I don't think this is a team that that, that finishes 5-0 in that stretch. I agree. Too tough. I'd love to see it. Hey, that's another team that's, that's I don't know, I'm not always on board with Notre Dame being good. I'm, there, there's, some t- there's some times when it's, I'm okay with them being down a little bit, but Something about the staff I like. Something about this team, especially on defense and especially on that offensive line, I like. So I, I'm kind of rooting for them to go five and zero. I'd, I'd love to see this team in the playoffs. But man, that's just a that's a that's a tall ask. NC State is going to be. <laughs> I mean, that team is no joke. 
that is uh that's gonna be a game where Brandon Wimbush is gonna have to get it done. I think uh NC State's defensive front is gonna be able to do a much better job of getting penetration and forcing Wimbush to uh to get out there and make a play. I don't th- I think that there's gonna be some third and longs that are very, very scary when it's Wimbush against Chubb and I don't know who wins that battle. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know they got a cup. They got a little help in the in the receiving game. You know Kevin Stefferson stepped up, made some plays, but it's still a fairly one sided offense. Like there's still Josh Adams is still out here just like quietly running for like nearly 200 yards. Uh, you know just about every time out. So you know it worries me against a team like like uh nc state that has the defensive line to hold up so that that's going to be fascinating you know it makes me a little bit sad that uh i felt like the the this passing attack just doesn't have the the vertical down the field um wrinkles that we saw last year that let equinemius st brown sort of explode onto the scene He's he's been one of the more disappointing players in the in, in the country, and not not that he has been disappointing because I think he's just done what's been asked of him. But they haven't. You're right. I mean, they haven't really they haven't really taken the top out of the, off the defense. Um, Chase Claypool, big body guy on the outside that should be able to provide some some, some vertical threat. Um, you know, they got those tight ends that are good players. So yeah, it's it's I, I'm I'm a little bit it's. it's it's perplexing to me a little bit that, that Notre Dame hasn't been more effective in the throw game, but I guess hey, when you when you got that run game, what's you know what are you complaining about? Like, yeah, what? exactly. Like let's let's just go. Uh, we're just gonna run power uh, behind McClinchy and Quentin Nelson. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> stop <laughs> it, stop it. We'll throw when you make us. Let's go. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. like that. No, I'm with you. Like this particular Notre Dame team. The, the fact like having a team that is dominant I mean and it's another reason why I like Georgia having a team that is going to have a, a stout defensive front and just pound the rock uh, on offense like that is very much on brand for my tastes I like it yeah yeah like seeing- yeah, it's, it's it's easy to root for the the offensive line because those guys are just old school just back alley brawlers and and they, they this Notre Dame team like it in the in the years where like I'm not as big of a Notre Dame guy is when it feels like they're just it's a little bit uh, I don't know like I, I feel like they can they can have like a country club vibe to them mm-hmm. and this this team feels gritty this team feels like it, it has toughness to them and and I, I like that well uh, well if if you're looking for peak opportunity to get value. When you're looking for tickets to sports and concerts, well, then, of course, that means you're probably using SeatGeek. That's right, because the SeatGeek has a seamless mobile experience. You can download the app, and you can not only buy, but you could also sell tickets through the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek is designed to make the ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. And 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast listeners get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. You just got to download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 24-7 today. So if you want to be able to have these fully guaranteed purchases, so you're out there on SeatGeek, you're shopping with confidence, you don't have to worry about getting scammed over by a ticket vendor, this is the way you do it. You go to the SeatGeek app, download it, enter promo code 24-7 today. That's promo code 24-7 for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, Barton, you want to go peak or rock bottom? Let's go. Rock bottom is Florida yes. State. Yeah. <laughs> rock bottom. Uh, you go. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is rock bottom. This has got to be rock this bottom. Is rock bottom. Is it? Is it? <laughs> this, this has got to be. Are they going to Are they going to go up and, and and get excited about playing at Boston College next weekend at, at seven o'clock at night? This has got to be rock bottom. <laughs> You know what's going to be rock bottom for this team? Florida? 
is when is that Florida game? Yeah, because that game is going to be ugly, and it's going to be it's going to be just like that UCLA Texas A and M game, where like in in a different way, in an uglier, less exciting way, where both teams leave the game not feeling very good about themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like there I, there's no winners in that game. Um, yeah, that was. I'm I'm really disappointed in myself for picking them in our locks podcast uh why i felt like i could trust this team is beyond me like there's nothing to trust here like this team is still talented and they can still blow someone out i'm sure but what what reason have they given us to trust them and man it's getting it's getting a little bit uh it's getting ugly it's getting real ugly jimbo's getting into it with the fans walking out of the stadium uh it's you know brown paper bag time like it's there's some this is right this is storylines right now this has got to be rock bottom this is this has got to be rock bottom um the only the only way it gets worse unfortunately uh it's an opportunity it's an incredible opportunity um for uh for our boy dino a loss to Syracuse at home in the final home conference game of the season the week before Clemson would be rock bottom. Um, you know, it's crazy. What? Is that Who would have thought that that Louisiana-Monroe game getting canceled may be the difference in Florida State getting to a bowl or not? I, I'm sitting here running the math because rock bottom is missing – missing the postseason after coming in with national title hopes. Yeah. That's not that, that's not just a DeAndre Francois injury changed everything. That's like the the something was not as stable. Like someone forgot to put the screws in the fair ride like in the right place. Like, right. like we did we didn't realize that when they were assembling this thing this, that something wasn't done right because it is way more rickety than a national title contender should ever look. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and one thing I've noticed is where where are the big plays from the wide receiver position? Like, where's I think James Blackman has been. I mean, he's he's had his fair share of turnovers that we could do without but i was looking i may write something on it that this week but i was looking after the game like you know they are there's only 21 teams that have fewer 20 yard pass plays than florida state uh and among those like seven of those teams are are option offense yeah seven of them just choose from the get-go not to run that (laughs) and and then there's like among like the others, their average win total is like you know probably one and a half. Like this is these are bad, bad, bad teams. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I feel like you know, I know part of it is the offensive line protecting and, and and giving the quarterback an opportunity. But like, where are these where are these South Florida skill freaks that are supposed to take a a screen pass and and, and take it forty seven yards? Like, where's the guy that's – I mean, Auden Tate's been pretty good, but he's not explosive. He's just a he's just a big-body chain mover. So I, there's a lot – like, as uh, the deeper we get into this, the, um, you know, the more warts are being exposed by Florida State. And yet, I think at the end of this season, we're going to look back and every game is going to be close and it's going to be just like Notre Dame last year where they went 4-8 and eight and every game they lost was like a one-score game. And Florida State is going to look back into this year and it may be 6-6, six and six, but every game they lose is going to be a one-score game. The difference is Brian Kelly went out and, and basically made wholesale changes to his coaching staff. Will I Jimbo. I, I, oh yeah, I don't really foresee Jimbo having that kind of approach so this is gonna be really interesting to see how he handles this at the end of the year regardless they could win out and and i think there's still some serious questions that need to be answered do you think this is rock bottom for north carolina 
Oh god, this is a this is a rock just a season of rock bottom. Oh no, it's going to get worse. That's the answer. The answer. I got I got to see the schedule before I make that call. I mean, it's I I know that I don't have much confidence in them beating anybody. Um they're 1 and 7. Wow. They're not beating Miami, they're not beating NC State, and they probably aren't beating Pitt. This is going to be a two-win season. Yeah. Losing at Pitt will be rock bottom because that's their last chance at a, a a meaningful win. What does Larry Fedora go from here? Like, I, what, what does this tarnish his name? Did he wait too long to get out of Chapel Hill? It hurts his over. I mean, it, it hurts him on paper. You know, just like the the fact that everyone, um, you know, when, whenever you're talking about the coaching searches, everyone from message board to probably ads. Just pull up your Wikipedia page and look at your overall record at the school and your conference record at the school, and those numbers are definitely going to be hurt. And in that sense, maybe so. Um, I I think that the context is important, and the context is that every team has a floor and a ceiling, and coming into the year, even a fully healthy North Carolina team, the ceiling the ceiling is the roof ha huh. uh even a a fully healthy carolina team was looking at maybe a six or seven win season then you take into consideration that they've lost 19 players for the year and going into the virginia tech game they had six other players out for the game and so i was looking at the injury report you had 24 25 players out and nine or ten of them were starters at some point during the season and wow. so, like, you look at it, and with context, you're like, wow, you know, this was already going to be a little bit of a step-back rebuilding year, and then the players that were supposed to lead the way in the rebuilding got knocked out. So they just – they are not fielding a competitive team at a Power 5 level. No, that, that's – I didn't even realize that it was that bad. I knew that there was – they had some issues, but that that's pretty brutal – you know, this year, like, I feel like Larry Fedora is the type of climber that's always looking for a better gig. And this year, there's going to be some jobs coming open, and he's he's just ruled himself out with this record. Like, there's he cannot be considered this year. And he needs a hell of a bounce back to be considered anywhere next year. And so I think so do you think North Carolina fans then are pretty realistic about what this season has been and 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 like 100 percent that fan base doesn't seem like they're like jumping off a cliff right now no they seem it's, like they've just resigned to this is that they, they, they were dealt a bad hand yeah and this is uh coming from outside like the the noise about fedora has almost all all been from people outside who uh who are looking in and be like, oh, you only got eight wins with Mitch Trubisky? Oh, you went two and ten? Like, you got to move on from him. I think that the – like, like my parents are season ticket holders, and I was talking to my dad about it last night, and he was like, I mean, it's just – they they look like a high school team out there. Like, they just yeah. – they're not they – are, they are not uh, the players that are going to be able to, to be competitive. And, you know, the – like, being right there and having a bunch of – bad mistakes blow uh you know the the cow game and there's been lots of frustrations along the way but i think for north carolina fans and also never forget um the north carolina fan expectation is unfairly but is directly linked to basketball success so coming right. coming off the championship they, it's a lot easier to swallow like oh man that stinks but hey remember that title yeah. Um, I've I've got a I've got another FSU for you. Ooh. Is Fresno State? Oh, Fresno State! <laughs> what a win! I've got Fresno State ranked above Florida State in my in my CBS one thirty rankings. So you does that mean that Florida State's not in your top fifty? Florida State's not in my top fifty. <laughs> got to beat somebody. Yeah. Got to win a game. Can't go two and four. Me in my top fifty. I'm sorry. That's fair. And, and Fresno State just killed San Diego State. They killed them, twenty-seven to three. Their only losses are to Alabama and, and Washington, and those are weeks two and three. So you know they're getting better. Jeff Tedford has put together a staff full of a bunch of CFL coaches. 
And he's out here, I mean, doing no, the, work. Like They're going to play for the Mountain West title because they've already got wins against San Diego State and Nevada. This is a – yeah, this is – this team is, I think, pretty good. On that level, on that group of five level, I think they're pretty good. Do, so, do you think that they will, um, they will, as they continue to put together wins, because that side of the Mountain West, in my opinion, is the easier side. That is your uh, Big Ten West. That is your SEC East. That is your Pac-12 South. I think the Mountain West West is that side of the division in the Mountain West. Will they be able to sneak up into Group of Five consideration? Because um, that's the ultimately, isn't that the the lens that, from a national perspective, we view some of these like hot Group of Five teams, particularly in the Mountain West and the American? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Look at the rest of their schedule. They got UNLV, BYU, Hawaii, Wyoming. Boise State, like there's some pretty good games in there. Like you know, he's not terrible. Wyoming's got Josh Allen and Boise State. I don't know. Uh, they could win out. And, they could. And and then if they went out, I mean, that's a. I feel like if you went out with that schedule, like you're probably sniffing top twenty five. And like, I don't know, man. That's there's there's a lot to be excited about in Fresno right now. Mm. So the so are you asking is is this peak Fresno? No, this can get much better. <laughs> this this can absolutely get much better. This is like, uh, what would, what would like, if Phil Fulmer had taken a job at like what would be a, co- a comparable, maybe like South Alabama or something? Is this what Phil Fulmer's South Alabama would have looked like? Because that's what happened. Like Jeff Tedford was at Cal, and people took him for granted, and they said, you know, this is stagnated. This has gotten stale. It's time to move on, and they couldn't find any sustained success without him and now they are at the bottom of the pack 12 and now jeff tepper has sort of pr- proven everybody that he's the, the, the dude knows how to coach and that's sort of the same thing that happened with fulmer only he didn't try to take another job um you know i this is this is a, a little bit of a he's a prideful guy i'm sure this is it's kind of fun to watch him get out there and, and, and show people what's up do you think that at three and one in conference play, sitting second place in the standings, that this is the peak for Iowa State. This is the peak. This is the peak. I, I don't. I. Look, it's about I, to get so story. real. It's about to get very very hard over the next three weeks. It's a great story, and and Iowa State's Matt Campbell. I'm on board with him being one of the best coaches out there, best young coaches in college football, but when did we start acting like Texas Tech was some juggernaut? Like, they were in the top 25 last week after a loss. Uh, or, or was it two weeks ago? Like, what, you know, they lost to Oklahoma State, and then they got put into the top 25. Um, crushed Kansas. Lost to West Virginia. Like, Texas Tech is, is – they're still, they're still Texas Tech. And, and Iowa State is a good team, and they should have a win over Iowa. They should have only have one loss this year. But and, and they got David Montgomery is one of the best backs no one's talking about. They got their walk-on quarterback in there playing great. All that stuff. I get it. But they're not going to be TCU. They're not going to be West Virginia. They're not going to be Oklahoma State. So When did we start acting like Texas Tech was some kind of juggernaut? <laughs> that, was, that was feeling. Hit me with that. Yes, uh, that sustains me. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm with you. Get uh, me going on Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah, they ranked and ranked for the first time since whenever. Iowa State five and two. Like, I I think that they will be able to find one win to be able to become bowl eligible. But a top twenty five team is not going to be sweating out road games at Baylor and Kansas State trying to make the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a great feel good story and, and everybody in Ames enjoy it because this is not gonna last. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um all right. Uh I got I got another rock bottom. Do what do you where do you want to go? You go for it. Go rock bottom. What you got? BYU. Go pirates yeah. 
Oh, this is one that I do. I, I am not enjoying this BYU situation. They their only win is against Portland State, a team that they did not dominate by any stretch. Wasn't that game like twenty to six? Twenty to six. Oh. I watched that game. I thought I thought BYU was just keeping it vanilla, and that's just who BYU is. Uh, this is this is sad, man. The BYU's uh, Vegas over under was eight and a half. Like this is a team that's supposed to be pushing nine to ten wins. Kalani Sitaki, by all accounts, is a great dude. You got to go, man. Wow. So you got to go. This is not. This is not cutting it. Can BYU do that? Probably not. They probably give him another year. But this is. I just. I, there's no. There's no excuse for them to be this bad. It just isn't. They just shouldn't be this bad. And and I think Jamal Williams covered masked a lot last year for this team. Jamal Williams was the real deal. I'll yeah. give you that. I th- I think that like having that really strong, capable, and that like you know now we know like NFL caliber running back really changed the uh, the offense's ability to complement a stout defense. Well, you know, the remember now Tanner Mangum played as a post missionary freshman two years ago. And with Tanner Mangum out with Taysom Hill out, Tanner Mangum was in. I'm sorry. Tanner Mangum was in from Taysom Hill was out and was pretty good. And they won a lot of games with them. This is like Tanner Mangum should be capable and it's just not it's just there's just nothing there on offense. And their their running backs are pretty pretty high schoolish, but still, man, this is just this is it's not supposed to be this ugly. It's, it's not, supposed to be competitive. It's not supposed to be losing at ECU. Yeah. Yeah. And they've they've got a lot of winnable games left. San Jose State, Hawaii, you would think UMass but UMass, in the battle of winless, just put it on Georgia Southern. Peak or rock bottom for Georgia Southern? Yeah, the rock bottom has already gotten uh, coaching change rolling. Yeah. Georgia Southern. Yeah, that one was uh, that one was coming. Uh, uh, that's another one. Uh, talk about teams I want to see. Like it's just I, I think I tweeted this. Like it's just comforting to see Georgia Southern rolling up on CUSA teams or whatever in the in the box score. Like I don't have to watch the game, but just to know they're out there running that triple option and just scoring 45 is, is, you know, makes my heart warm. Uh, and that's not happening. I want to get back to those days. So what do we think? Uh, like go hire a Navy assistant. Yeah. There, you know, there's a bunch of names I'm not really familiar with that are getting thrown out for that job. Uh, I'm just not plugged into the coaching search of when the (laughs) opening is at Georgia Southern and that's okay. Like I, I can only have, but so much of a, you know, I, I need to rely on other sources for uh, for that information. That's just not off the top of my head. I'm not yeah. not plugged in on that on that circuit. No, no, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to, uh, I'm gonna need to read up before I brief us on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, where is rock bottom for Arkansas? I don't think we're there yet, but I think that it's coming. Yeah, this is they. This is the most like outmanned they've felt in the SEC since Brett Bielen has been there. I agree. Don't you think? Oh, uh, totally. Um, Cause they had Jim Chaney, Jim Chaney and Sam Pittman in there that uh, at the beginning they were pounding the rock, had it going. And they've got, I mean, that's going to be Ole Miss game next week. The, they, sh- I think they should win that with, with Shea Patterson out. Um, they're not going to beat LSU or Mississippi State, I don't think, and then they could beat Missouri. So this is this is looking like a five-win season, uh, and that's not total. I, I think I think Brett Bielema can be granted a five-win season. Like that's not totally inexcusable. Uh, like I don't I don't think Tennessee can allow that. I think Arkansas can stomach one as long as you have a big bounce back year the, the following year. And I think this is the year. I think this this is this season is going to be rock bottom for Brett Bielema, 
and I think it's I, I think it's going to keep getting worse. All right, I think that home back to back home losses to Mississippi State and Missouri that'll about do it. That's the thing. Like everyone's writing off Missouri, and now nah, don't like, do that. Yeah, they're like Missouri's going to pick somebody off. Like they're they're off. They've got the offensive firepower to to sting somebody, and you know they're Missouri's Missouri's going to end up sniffing around, maybe going to a bowl. Uh, so yeah, that's that's. I think Arkansas is it's it's unfortunate right now. It's ugly. It's nasty, but it's going to keep getting worse. Do you, so right now? You think that. Arkansas finishes five and seven. Bielema comes back for twenty eighteen. Yeah, and mm. I think twenty eighteen. I'm not convinced they're going to be a whole lot better in twenty eighteen, and that, that's when I think Brett Bielema is really going to be on the on the sort of get graded out. That's that's his, that's his final exam. Bobby uh, Petrino for Arkansas head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. Bobby Petrino's name is all of a sudden like lost a little luster, hadn't it? A little bit, for sure. It feels um, like right, right about now is when we would be usually talking about Bobby Petrino. Is like, is he leaving? Is he, is he, is he going to turn his back on Louisville again? But I just, th- there's a lot of other coaches out there that seem to be more enticing, like Mike right Norvell, now. like Mike Norvell, like Brent Venables, mm. like like Joe Moorhead, mm-hmm. Joe Moorhead Scott, for sure, Scott Frost. Um, there's going to, I. I, I I'm starting to really like some of the candidates for this coaching cycle. Joe Moorhead, uh, Joe Joe Moorhead has an opportunity if he does want to take a Power Five head coach get get back to being the head coach. I'd say after this season's probably the that's your, that's your peak market value. To me, Joe Moorhead is is one of the absolute best candidates out there as a guy that's turning offense around and is playing in some of the biggest games in college football and has proven success. So you get sort of like the, you get the sex appeal of a coordinator, but you get the, the proven success of a head coach because he's, he's done it at Fordham. Right. He's, he's run a program uh, really successfully. So I, I think and wasn't Joe there like a, uh, a turnaround at like, like he not only ran oh yeah. the program successfully, but he was like a, a big part of the, you know, like big time CEO organizational decisions that you need to be able to make as a head coach. He's he's yeah. done them. Yeah, I think he, he took over a program that was winning one or two games a year, and they they took him to the FCS national championship. Uh, and so, and they took over an offense that was that was dead in the water at Penn State, and he's made it one of the most explosive offenses in college football. So there's a lot to like about Joe Moorhead, and I, that's if I'm a if I'm an AD with an opening. Man, I'm he is uh he's probably first phone call. Uh let's see. Cleaning out the notebook. In, do you have any other peaks or rock bottoms? Kind of got to go rock bottom on Kansas, don't we? Just a little maybe touch on it. Do How we? bad? Do is we? Kansas. I mean, but we've seen this before. Do you remember our over under uh Big 12 or pod when I said when I was like excitedly on the over Two and a half, or whatever yes. their their win total was. Yes, man, I, I and that wasn't that was not f- like faux excitement. Like I thought this team had a chance to be decent. I thought this team, you know, the way they've recruited, the you know David Beatty has, has a great reputation. They got Doug Meacham from TCU. They've they've got a young defensive backfield that I thought was talented. I, I haven't watched them because it's not worth it, but. What in the world is going on? They had 21 yards of total offense. That's you could pull up Allen High School from down the road and get them over there to to uh, Fort Worth, and they're going to put up 20 more than 21 yards of offense. No, no, no way. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not taking the bait on will the will Alabama beat the Browns, and I'm not taking the bait on will Allen High School put up a better fight against TCU than Kansas. Look, I don't look. I, I don't know, but it sure seems plausible. 21 <laughs> yards? 21 yards? But it's TCU. I don't know, man. That, you get, Look, r- forget the high school argument. I'm just saying, 
21 yards, you are a power five major conference program, and you can't muster more than 21 yards, that I don't care who you're playing. That's that is that is rock bottom. It is this is as low as it gets for Kansas. Kansas, the rest of the way, will be facing. They still got home against Oklahoma. They finished the season Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Texas before that. Rock bottom's coming. There's they're just they're they're at rock bottom and they're just gonna continue to to troll the rock bottom for four more five more games um okay speaking of the big 12 speaking of uh that like where are you at with texas do you think that that's a good question like this is and i don't know where this is between peak and rock bottom but i i think the longhorns are probably one of the most fascinating teams maybe in a, in a closer to florida state kind of conversation obviously different with tom herman being in his first year jimbo fisher being established but like this is a three and four team where you're gonna start uh, trying to run the math, and every single game might end up determining whether or not this team makes it to a bowl game. So I said before this week, I said that they would win one of the three Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia. And I said that they would win Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech. So I'm going to stick by that. I'm not just because they like l- lost one of the games I thought that they should lose by only three points in overtime i'm gonna i'm gonna stick by that this is a seven and five team that is a seven and five that you lead the season feeling good about Mm -hmm. i still like texas Uh, that that's i mean they just held oklahoma state to 10 points in regulation oh uh, dude they they did like oklahoma owes texas a thank you for just throwing out a great game plan be like, oh yeah, um, just make Oklahoma State run the ball. They're not real good at that right now. Yeah, t- uh, TCU. I mean, they they threw out that game plan. Oh yeah, TCU did it too. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this is still now. You know, is Ellinger is Ellinger have a concussion now? Maybe does he is he going to be playing this week? You know, maybe that changes things. I still think they're okay with Shane Buchel. Um, it was interesting though, like on the Texas message boards, they are calling for the OC's head. Tim Beck is not, (laughs) is not going well appreciated right now among Texas fans. Um, and I, that feels lazy to me. A lot of times it feels a little lazy. Just like blame the play caller. Mm -hmm. This is Tom Herman's offense. This is that the, you know, they were supposed to lose that game. It was a, it was, it, ended up being a grinded out game that they lost by three points. They got a true freshman quarterback. Uh, I'm not on that train, I, I, but this, I still think this is a team that's just, it's a victim of being in a big 12 with, with no gimme games. Yeah. And they've, and look, their conference losses have only come to Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. That's, that is on par with Texas. Right now, in 2017, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the class of the Big 12. I think, yeah, the, and the darlings of college football right now, Iowa State. They got a win over on the road at home on Thursday night. When did Texas Tech become a juggernaut? <laughs> Can't wait for Texas to prove you right with a blowout win against the Red Raiders. Uh, hey, I'm sure Texas Tech's got a big win in them somewhere, uh, but uh, they hadn't they hadn't had it yet. <laughs> the sarcasm that's stripping off your voice with the darlings of college football, Iowa State. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, let's see. Anything else from the notebook you want to clean out before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, real quick. Arizona State, impressed with what they're doing right now. You know, that that's a team that, I mean, it felt like this was Todd Grant's last year. And and now they've come out. And they really, I mean, that, that game wasn't really ever close. No. Against Utah, it just took and, a while for them to get for uh, for Arizona State's running game to get going, and once it did, it was done. Yeah, I mean Billy Napier settled in as the coordinator. They, you know, that's they got USC next. Yeah, at home in, in Tempe at night. It's gonna be that's a really fun Pac-12 after dark game. That's a tricky game for USC now. So th- this is. This is not peak for Arizona State. I think that they've 
because here's what they when you watch Arizona State, one thing you notice, they have talent. They got players. And if they've gotten something figured out to where they can coach them up, uh, you know, I think that USC, they may lose that one, but I, 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 they seem to be the best team on their schedule remaining. Like, they, I, I would pick them over UCLA. I would pick them over Colorado, Oregon State, obviously. And Arizona, who the hell knows with the great Khalil Tate under center, but that's going to be a fun game. The, so rock, I, I like Arizona State. Rock bottom for USC would be losing this game because then you give up the division. Yeah. Yeah, and then Clay Helton starts to get his seat gets hot. No, no, we can't do that to Clay Helton. No, I yeah, not not to, not to say it, he sh- it should be, but it's going to it's going to be like once again, just like last year, people are going to start like you know, yelling and screaming about how Clay Helton is over, you know, isn't a good coach. And I don't think that's true. Like I actually think Clay Helton is a good coach. I think he's he's his team loves him, his coaching staff loves him. I think he's going to be fine, but he's going to if they lose to Arizona State, you better believe he's going to endure some message board hell for a little bit. Um, I wanted to, before we get out of here, UCF, big time, 31-21 win on the road. Uh, it wasn't always easy, and they did get uh, benefit from uh, an injury to Navy quarterback Zach Aby, but uh, but th- this was one of the last biggest, toughest opponents for UCF, and, and they showed up, and they got it going. UCF, when they face USF in the AAC championship game, are going to blow the doors off those guys. Oh yeah, 100%. there's a there, there's a there's a fraud, and then there's a real the real deal, and UCF's the real deal. That's uh, that'll be yeah the battle for I four because they're in the same division. That'll be the last regular season game. Yep. Yep. Then uh, oh man, yeah. No, I'm all in on the Knights. Knights. Knights to the Fiesta Bowl. That's the way this goes. Blake Bortles. UCF this weekend is playing Austin P, a team that's won one game in the in the previous forty nine prior to this year, and they're now sitting at like five and three or something, um, with one of the best young coaches in FCS, Will Healy. Uh, I'm actually going to go over the, go by there this week. And just to write something up on them, that's going to be, you know, I'm sure UCF's going to win and, and, and win easily. But uh, just kind of an interesting s- subplot there is like quietly one of the best coaches, young coaches out there, maybe on the other sideline uh, across from Scott Frost. So that, that that's that's something to keep an eye on this weekend. Mm, okay. Okay. So keep an eye on that. Barton's got that coming. I'm going to say UCF still wins by 63. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go putting any money on the uh, on the money line. Yeah, don't no upset alert there. But uh, but yeah, should be a lot of fun. All right, we still got Gary Danielson coming. We still got Danny Cannell coming. Uh, of course, we're, we should have Tom Fernelli back for our picks at the end of the week and much much more. The way that you make sure that you get it and don't miss a thing is by subscribing to the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast. Martin, thank you very much. Sure.